Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And realize he hated all the other women. <laughs> so uh, he then became a bus driver. And, you know, he would come home and there'd be some sort of a story about, like, on Halloween, how he was driving. And all of a sudden, a body falls in front of the bus. And I slammed on the brakes and I heard a blood-curdling scream. It was a dummy. It was it was like mischief night or something, you know. And it was in Bedford Stuyvesant, and the and the, the drama and the um and he, it just everything he you know he, he said just had a, a funny cadence to it, mm. a Bronx kind of a cadence, and yeah. and uh, I you know we're, you know we're the kind of people that when we scream and yell at each other, it's like I don't know why you're doing this to me. This is ridiculous. Is this is this tomato sauce from today or yesterday? You know, I, and, and we just and that's what we do. And uh, so yeah, so the funny started I think with my father. I never did impressions or anything, but he was good at doing voices. Just just not for. He didn't realize he was doing it, but if he you know he used to point out all the character actors uh, mm. when we'd watch movies. And I, I realized just the other day, what was I watching? that I knew the names of so many of them because of my father. Huh. Um, uh, you know, Thomas Mitchell, he'd always say, he'd do all the character actors, Thomas M- Mitchell and Harry Davenport and and um, uh, uh, Faye Banter and, <laughs> and, and uh, um, Spring Byington and all these wonderful mo- movie stars and um, Sidney Greenstreet, he'd always do his Sidney Greenstreet. It, w- it was just what, what we did, yeah. you know. And what did mom do? Laughed. My mother, you know, when I tell people about my mother, they think she looks like she sounds like Edith Bunker when I do my mother, you know. And um, when she first saw Forbidden Broadway, I came out, my brother in law said, You came out in a Carol Channing blonde platinum wig with huge red lips and a headdress, you know, two feet, three feet wide. And everyone was laughing, and your mother nudged me and went, It's a spoof. They're (laughs) spoofing. Do you get it? And then I remember introducing my friends in Forbidden Broadway to my mother, and they went, Christine, your mother's very pretty. And I said, I never said she wasn't. I said, she only sounds like Edith Bunker. She doesn't look like her, you know. Um, so my mother was just was just the laugher. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 funny in her own way, trust me. We were saying, I, sh- I remember I wore a dress to some event. I was on stage performing, and afterwards my mother came up to me and said, Christine, you look gorgeous in that dress let me tell and you put on weight i don't know how you pulled it off i don't know how but it looked gorgeous because at your weight it's hard oh my and God. i mean so you see what i'm saying yeah. she just she doesn't know 
Oh yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. This is Sicilian, the Sicilian yeah, Calabrian. Of yeah, but the exactly Yonkers. My mother's from Yonkers. Where did you grow up in Brooklyn? No, Westchester. I I was born in the Bronx. I was born in the Bronx, and then a few years later, we moved to Westchester, you know, southern Westchester, Eastchester, Bronxville area, sort of. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I grew up there, but, you know, uh, my mother's family was from Yonkers, and my father's from the Bronx, Mm -hmm. and all Italian, and so there was, you know, enough ethnicity, although we lived in the little English Tudor house, you know. My parents love all things British. They're total Anglophiles. Oh. Absolutely. They love London. They love... uh, uh, my, My mother could watch Downton Abbey on a loop for the rest of her life, there would be no problem. She reads Pride and Prejudice over and over and over again. She just, and I really feel like I believe in past lives when, because of my mother and father and my uh, solidarity when it comes to all things British that we love. Mm -hmm. My sister, my brother, no. You know, and we just love it. So, um, you know, we, 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 and they also were fans too, which is nice. Um, that that God knows that helps. Did you go in to see Broadway shows a lot? No, no, never. We were we didn't really have the money for that. I saw one Broadway show uh, uh, when I was in high school. Very good, Eddie. And it was it, it was the, it was at the Booth Theater, wow. and it was the cheapest seats that they could afford, yeah. uh, the back row of the Booth Theater, Amazing. and that was my first Broadway show. My father threw the whole family, but that was that was the last time. That was it was just too expensive, and and I think the tickets were seven dollars each. Huh. Um, and then I, I when I I think when I was in high school I saw a few more, and they were. A Dracula, things like that in high school, high school, college. but and then and then I started in college to go because I became the arts editor of yeah of Fordham University's radio station, and um, th- that started this its slight interest in performing because so I was never going to perform. Really? So you weren't like you singing or anything like that? In high I school did. Or? I did a couple of things in high school. Um, I did Godspell like everybody else, <laughs> and then I was in the chorus of Bye Bye Birdie. Oh. And very good Eddie, actually. Oh. They did very well. That was, you know, that was, yeah. That year. I know. Jeez. And and then I somehow decided that in the final show of the year, I wanted to get a lead. And it wasn't like I was a theater kid. You know, I didn't know a lot of theater. I was just starting to scratch the surface of it and get, you know, records out of the library. A library, kids, <laughs> is a place with a lot of books. It was a building you'd have to walk into and you'd have to sign up for a card. And if you got your card, if you forgot it, you couldn't get any books out or records. So uh, yeah. I just decided I wasn't going to do any, I wasn't going to be in the play that year if I didn't get a lead. And it was an odd choice to make because your social life is limited when you go to an all-girls school we did the plays at the all-boys school so if I didn't do the play you know that was a big not a big slice my entire social life but I just felt it was time and I had been my the director of Godspell told my mother that I should take singing lessons and so I went to the little old lady in the neighborhood who was the second Lori in Oklahoma. Her name was Evelyn Hancock. And when she was in Oklahoma, her name was Evelyn Wyckoff. And she talked like this. Hello, Chris. How are you? All right. We're going to sit. And she would give me exercises. And, but she kept giving me all these Italian art songs to sing, you know, Oh, Mio Babino Caro. And I'm like, okay. And then finally I kind of said, 
why am I singing these? And she said, well, I thought you were Italian. You'd like Italian songs. And I said, okay, no. Uh, I was singing My Lord and Master and Glitter and Be Gay and and legit stuff as well. So it was all soprano stuff. So I went out for Irene Malloy. and, And I got it, which was, I remember I told my mother, they put the list up, the list, you know, the list. Yes. They put the list up on Monday morning, and uh, it was like Veterans Day, and I thought we didn't have school on Veterans Day, and I had told the dress shop that I worked at that I could work because I thought it was a school holiday. I don't know what made me think that. So, And they were livid when I said I have to go to school. They said, no, we need you. It's a big sale. So I had to cut school and work at the dress shop. So my mother dro- dropped me off at the dress shop, and which was just around the corner from the school. And I said to her, don't look at the list. Because I knew if she looked, she'd come and tell me, or she'd call me, she wouldn't be able to see, she's like, all right. And I waited about an hour or so, and then I realized I didn't get it. Because I know my mother looked at the list. And I know she wouldn't be able to sit on it. And then sometime later, like maybe an hour after that, I was just devastated. And so there was nobody in the shop, P.S., their sale. So I went and I tried on some clothes thinking it would perk me up. And all of a sudden I heard, (gasps) Chris, Chris. And it was my friend Maura McInerney, who I'm still friends with. Um, um, Her knee socks were rolled all the way down to her ankles. She had the kilt on, you know, the private girl school kilt. And her face was flushed. And and it must have been the autumn. And... uh, I'm like, what? She went, you got it, Chris. You got it. And I went, no, I didn't. Because my mother hadn't shown up, you know. And she went, you did. You did, Chris. You did. You got it. And it was such a big deal, you know. It was such a big deal. And my mother later told me she did look at the list. But she, why was she ta- obeying my orders for the right. first time ever, yeah. you know? Like, so she, she did look at the list, and she happened to look at it at the same time that one of the other girls who was up against me looked at it, oh. who was always the lead, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just fascinating for her to observe that. But it was, um, <laughs> it was a great moment, and it really was like that song, that Kander and Ebb song, A Quiet Thing. It mm-hmm. was just the things that give you confidence that you don't know give you confidence. It was not, you know, doing the happy dance and, uh, you know, score. Um, yeah. I get to see ribbons down my back. <laughs> uh, it was that, you know, it, it, it was just a quiet sense of accomplishment, and then I just moved on. B- but... Uh, it was important. Yeah. And I prayed so damn hard that night before. I just literally was sending out like, you know, not like, dear Jesus, make me get this. It was like I was literally sending out energy waves, yeah. you know. And um, Jerry Herman has been very important to me because uh, the f- then when I graduated college, I decided I wanted to try community theater. And the first role that I auditioned for was Mac and Mabel. Oh. And I did a really good job and I was having such a good time and they were ooing and aahing all over me and I was so excited and I had a call back and then I never got the call and I thought I didn't get it. Mm-hmm. It was like two, three weeks later and I thought it was very sad because I loved singing those songs and I thought I, I really songs. wanted, you know. And then all of a sudden I get a phone call. Oh, Christine, yeah. We're wondering why you're not at rehearsal. And I said, what? Well, we're here waiting for you. And I said, I'm in the show? And they said, yeah. Now, of course, if you were not offered the part you auditioned for, you would be offered the chorus usually. Mm -hmm. And I said, who am I? He went, what what do you mean? Nobody called you? I said, no, nobody called me. Who am I? He went, well, we're waiting. We're having rehearsal now. I'm so sorry. Nobody. I said, who am I? He went, well, this is so embarrassing that nobody can. Who? What? what, what, uh, Tell me. He's like, well, you're Mabel. And I just, you know, and honestly, he, he, 
Jerry Herman shows have been at the at these like pivotal moments in my life. Mm-hmm. Th- those two anyway, and uh, um, the, oh, and because of the connection to my early years, you know, you have that like certain smells conjure up things immediately. Yep. Yeah, well, certain songs. Music. Oh, definitely, we'll do that. We'll take you right back there mm-hmm. to that time mm-hmm. for sure. So when did you decide that you were going to go from community-level performance to a more professional world of theater? Well, I was doing a lot of commu- lot of good community yeah. theater in, in up in Westchester. In Chappaqua, where uh, oh. some of it was in yeah. Chappaqua, where uh, you know the Clintons lived. Yeah. They didn't live there then. But I think Vanessa Williams was yep. just coming into her own at that point, and that's what made Chappaqua famous. But they had a lot. They Chappaqua, Harrison, Eastchester, all these community theaters th- that are aren't thriving quite the way I think they, they were at one point. But they're still there, you know. Um, I'd, I, I'd done, let me think, I'd done Barnum, I'd done Mac and Mabel, Funny Girl, Little Shop, Oliver, Night Music, Evita, um, wow. uh, oh, I'm forgetting, uh, Music Man, uh, just a lot of great parts. And... And it was it was my school. I didn't go to theater school, so that's where I learned. Mm. I was just having a conversation with somebody. It was talking about you know when the list goes up in high school, or when you get cast in something in community theater and you do those shows. They're they're as important as any Broadway show I've ever done. You know, I haven't done as many as Kevin Chamberlain. I haven't done, but but I, I in no way diminish their importance. They are as pivotal and as much a learning experience um, as anything on Broadway. And it's important because the, I want people listening to know that because uh, there, there are people in my community theater circle of friends who I don't, don't see that often anymore, but I can promise you have, have clocked more hours on a stage in a, more, in a wider variety mm-hmm. of parts than I ever will in my lifetime wow. because they're the regulars and they do one to two to three shows a year. They, you know, they don't do uh, as many performances of it, but they have played more parts. Uh, sometimes they've you know uh, gone back and repeated a role, but yeah. they have... Incredible life experiences, yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's Special. important. Also for people who don't, who who perhaps regret or think, oh, why didn't I do this for a living, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. It, it's, you know, it's a very difficult business. It doesn't get easier, unfortunately. People may know your name more, but it, it honestly, paying the bills does not mm-hmm. get easier, um, particularly because as you get older, you also expect and think right. you, 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 you are entitled to more too, you know. Um, but I, you know, not making it your primary uh, um, focus in life, but having it as a secondary is, is I can promise you, can be very, very rewarding and, yeah. you know, as valid a way to experience performing as those of us who, you know, try to pay the rent from that and only that. When did you become equity? What happened was, hmm. I decided after all the community theater, I had a full-time job working as a, a, a secretary, basically, for the March of Dimes telethon, which was sort of connected to my communications degree. You yeah. know what I mean? I, I did that. The, f- the first week I got the job, I, I wanted to leave. I hated 9 to 5. Hated it, hated it. But I wanted to get dental. So I waited a year. I had all four wisdom teeth pulled on the same day because I wanted to get out, and then it took me another year to get the nerve to quit. Mm-hmm. But I was doing community theater all that time. And then finally, I quit uh, and was just going to temp and att- attempt to to find work. 
I didn't know anybody in the business. John Tracy Egan was my only friend. We did Evita together. He was my Che. Oh my and we did uh, Animal Farm and, and Children's Theater. And but John was off in Europe doing cats. So I had no friends in this business. I just opened up backstage and that was it. And that's how I figured it out. And so I was, um, doing that a lot. I was working at the Westchester Broadway theater backstage for a friend doing props and building stuff. And they had children's theater and they offered me a children's theater job where I would get my equity card. Uh, no, not children's theater. I'm sorry. Their Christmas show. Oh. Carol Demas was in it. That's where I met Carol Demas, who was ageless then. She looks exactly the same as she did then. She's freakishly like uh, I, uh, young looking. Uh, she, I mean, she takes impeccable care of herself. I remember she was on her that um, uh, what is that uh, uh, cross country ski thing. Um, uh, like a Nordic? Yeah, Nordic She was on her Nordic track all the time, and she took incredible care of herself. So that's where I met her, and that's how I got my equity card. And then during that, I got, I auditioned for and got Forbidden Broadway. I had reached a point where I was so sick and tired of going to open cattle calls with hundreds of girls that I finally just said, no, I can't do it anymore. How long were you doing? Oh, the- four years. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah, I got nothing. I mean, I got two or three little... I got one summer stock job for two weeks, and wow. I mean, you know, another job for two weeks, nothing. Huh. And uh, and I was, you know, 60 pounds lighter yeah. and th- how many decades younger. Yeah. Um, so I I just said I, I enough. You know, you back then you would send postcards to agents thinking they would, <laughs> because you did, you know, uh, because you did the Chapel Quadrama Group's production of such and such in their library theater that they'd yes. really want to sign you. And you'd spend all this money on your postcards and your photographs. And it was very expensive. And if you didn't have an agent, you simply couldn't get an audition appointment. And you were relegated to the cattle calls. But I couldn't take it, so I just made this decision. I said, no more, no more cattle calls. I'm not going on any more auditions till I get an agent. I knew I couldn't get an agent without a job, but I didn't have a job. But I just had to say, no, I'm not going to do this to myself anymore. And the next day, I opened up backstage, and there was an audition for Forbidden Broadway. And I kind of always had a sense that I might be well-suited for that show, even though I'd never done impressions. Mm -hmm. And so... I I kind of looked up at the universe and said, all right, this is the last one, all right? I, I Honestly, I said, no more auditions after this. And there were hundreds of girls there, not hundreds, but, you know, a hundred, there were a lot. They had seen, apparently, hundreds of girls, but I, they said I was their first choice, which was a nice feeling. Uh, as a matter of fact, I went out and did the show on the road for six months. We called it the bus in truck because we were in a bus with the back seats taken out and all of our costumes back there. And it wasn't until after that, like all one night stands, like 103 days on the road. We only had five days where we were not traveling or performing. And, um, but I was seeing America, so it was thrilling to me. And again, I was young and rubbery and elastic and you could sleep on a bus while cramped up and you know, it, it didn't hurt. Um, and, but then I found out that at the audition, Gerard Alessandrini turned to the producer of the national tour and said, I want her for New York. New York. And I was like, you can't have her. <laughs> so I was on the road for six months. Then, first, then and then first, and then I did a production in Denver, and then I did a production in Detroit for... No, I did a production in Detroit for a year, 
Then I did Denver. It was like three, it was three years before I, wow. they had a slot open for me in New York. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's wild. And and you said you had never done real impersonations before. So then how did, what was your training like? I mean, you must've been like, all right, here we go. We well, like they asked at the audition, you know, can you do Carol Channing? I had met Carol Channing at an event I volunteered for. I used to do that too. I used to volunteer for big fancy Broadway events as a, as a volunteer. And they, yeah. and I worked for free and I got to watch Carol Channing and, Comden and Green, and who else was up there? Dolores Gray oh, and wow. Liza, and I met Sondheim. He doesn't know he met me, but I met him. <laughs> and um, at Avery Fisher Hall, I remember it was an event for Julie Stein, and I, I, I volunteered there. And so Carol Channing was there, and I had to show her to her dressing room. And this, of course, thrilled me to no end. Of course. Uh, there was nothing not to love about the whole event, just being in that venue. And, and, I, you know, and I performed there years later at a big event, and I remember walking through the stage door and having a dressing room with Cheetah Rivera and Carol Lawrence and Andrew McCardle. And it took a minute before I realized, wait, I'm actually here. Because, you know, I'm focusing yeah. on what I'm doing and, and you know, and I, wow, good for you. Yeah. I had to do that. And I might even have been the dressing room Carol Channing was in, but I remember her asking for something. And I said, oh, I can get it for you. And what is your name? And I said, Christine. Oh, Christine. And I just, <laughs> but Carol Channing said my name. <laughs> so when I auditioned for Forbidden Broadway, they said, do you do Carol Channing? And I said, well, every, first everybody does Carol Channing. And then I explained my little meeting with her and they loved that. And then they asked if I did Merman. And I'm like, I don't know. You know, I didn't really. It was just loud. And, you know, yeah. some things you, could, you can approximate and that'll, that'll get the job done <laughs> and uh they gave me a patty lapone song don't cry for me barbara streisand mm -hmm. which my my pet my my patty lapone was awful but now it's really good mm. it took 20 years it you know sometimes just something you just hear something one day that you never heard all those days before uh -huh. and so i just started slow uh it got easier when they would throw you know a impression at you um suddenly you just kind of knew what kind so I guess it's like playing piano you know what I mean yeah. it's like you suddenly know where the notes go I guess yeah. I don't play piano but um <laughs> I'm assuming it's sort of like that because I look at some music and go how do they do it right. I know where their fingers have to be I also get asked from time to time to do celebrity sound-alikes from movies like when uh usually when they um are doing test screenings mm. and they need to change a line or a line needs to be re, uh, you know, uh, re-recorded and they ha haven't gotten the star in yet mm -hmm. to do it. Um, and sometimes I'll get called in and it, I, it's just not in my, it's not an exact sound alike on stage. It sounds alike, yeah. you yeah. know, but, but for the actual purposes of perfect, you know, reproduction, mm -hmm. it's not, mm -hmm. Uh, it's, it's it's fascinating. Sometimes I'll be in a venue and I'm doing a, a series of impressions. You know, I'm doing one of my big mashups and um, one or two of them just don't sound right and it's the sound system. There are people that I've done oh, a lot, yeah. you know, and Seth, I was with Seth. We were on a, one, of, one of the Rosie cruises and I'm like, wow, that doesn't sound like her at all. You know, I know what's the matter with it. It ain't me. I'm doing the thing I do. It, there's something about the sound mm -hmm. in the room and whatever, or the song doesn't fit, you know, um, that, that I'm spoofing. That person mm -hmm. just doesn't really, there's nothing particularly funny about their voice with those words. Mm -hmm. I can't make it 
funnier as funny as I want it to be. Mm-hmm. How do you switch between impressions so quickly? That's that's that that's not hard. That's really? not hard. No, it's not hard. It's just making sure it's finding the music to begin with. You yeah. know, right. um, it's so nice. I I want to try and work on some new people, but um, I was very spoiled because I was in a show. I was in Forbidden Broadway for years, so every night I could go up there and and try try it, and if I a new sound or a new thought of, of how to you know inflect <laughs> is, yeah. that a, is that a word inflect um i could try it i had eight shows a week to try it yeah. but and then i went into musical the same thing um so i can get impressions good but when i'm not in a you know a regularly running satirical yeah. <laughs> off-broadway show yeah, sure. i you know if i want to work on my dolly parton um I, and i'm only doing my act once this season I don't have a lot of opportunities, you know. And if I did it in May and I'm not doing it again until j- June or July yeah. or August, I can't quite remember what worked, you know. Right. So I've been very lucky in that in that respect that I've had those opportunities, um, you know, to, to work on stuff. But um, And it sounds like you didn't just, you know, you're always honing it. I mean, you were for those years, you were constantly tweaking. Oh, yeah, Liza like Minnelli got so much say, better. I'm done. I'm, I'm okay. I, I, yeah, I got it. But you were like always well, trying to like, I, I, I admire that. Yeah, I mean, I suppose I do that with some of them, maybe. Um, but no, I, I, in one way or another, no. I, I'm always trying to figure something else mm-hmm. out to keep it authentic, you know. I mean, the Liza Minnelli's gotten much better. It was a very convenient that she got older and menopausal because that helped me enormously um she did it first uh yes, of course of course but you know bernadette course. peters got much better mm. um angela lansbury got much better uh patty lapone got better yeah. too yeah th- yeah they got better do you first focus on the essence of the individual or, or the cadences and inflection of their speaking voice no, it's it. Well, look, I I know all these people that i'm doing right. you, you know what i mean i i know i know them all i know i know their work and no, it's the sound. You know, I'm working on the sound, and honestly, the physicality comes. The physicality is easy. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, but it just is. It and it sort of comes out naturally. But the sounds, you know, have to, you have to work on. And sometimes you have to think, well, maybe I use this word instead of that word. And I'll tell Gerard Alessandrini that I'll say maybe more sounds with this consonant or with this vowel sound, or you know what I mean, mm-hmm. because it's funnier. And he's right. totally on board with that. And Gerard is very generous and open to making working on it. You know what I mean? It's not about him; it's about it, right. the moment. And 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 uh, yeah. You and Gerard have worked together for quite a long time. What's it like being in a room with him? What 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 makes it so special? He's just a mad genius. I mean, he, he, he really is. He's, he loves the process. And, and he's done it so much that he should be dried up and tired of it, yeah. you know, by anybody else's account, you know. And yet he got together with me maybe at the beginning of 2016, I'm going to think. He said, I want to talk to you about a project, a professional project. And I thought, oh, he wants to be on the radio. Because right. w- uh, what I haven't, I'm not doing anything else. Right. So you know, and I have no power. So I was like, felt bad. I'm like, I'm gonna have to poor, poor Gerard. I feel bad if he wants to be on the radio because there's no, you know, there's nothing I can do. And it turns out, he said, uh, I've written something and I want you to produce it, and uh, I, I want you to be in it too if if you want to. But what I really want you to do is produce it. And I think you and I have worked together a long time. Now, we hadn't worked together in years now. We hadn't seen each other with any regularity at all for maybe five years, you know, mm-hmm. maybe more. But we bumped into each other all the time at events. And, and we were good friends because of all the 
all the time we spent putting up so many different editions. Right. But it had been a while. And he said, um, I want you to produce this because you and I, we, we, we've worked together a long time. We understand the, the, the nature of the animal. We, we understand we have shorthand with, with each other. Um, and, uh, and I would love you to produce this. And he puts down a script and it said, it had the star, the Hamilton star, with Hamilton on it, but instead of his, his fist in the air, he was thumbing his nose, and it was at silhouette, and it said Spamilton, and I laughed, <laughs> and I went, sure, yeah. why not? Absolutely. What do I know about producing? But I do know everything about Forbidden Broadway, and yeah. I do know everything about the animal, and I do know everything about Gerard, and so we started talking and he started taking notes because I said, what about a song about this? What about a song about this? And then in the middle of it, he said, you know, you know the other reason I wanted you to do this? And I, this is sort of, it's not confidential. It, it, it's, it's intimate. He said, because in all the years we've known each other, you've never been mean to me. Mm. And it was such a touching <sighs> thing to say. And, um, and, and he's kind of right, you know, I mean, in that mm. I, I, Sometimes I, I observed, very, very, very rarely, I will say this, uh, you know, people who would uh, roll their eyes or want better product, you know. And look, we all do. And if something isn't working, believe me, no one knows it better than he does. Yeah. Um, but the, what, the, the stuff that he puts out is, you know, is staggering that mm -hmm. it's all come from the same mind. It's unbelievable. And so, you know, yes, you can be frustrated if something's not working, uh, but you go write it then. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just you go write it. Right. Basically, shut up. You go write it, yeah. you know. Um, so, I, you know, I have this, this highest respect. And the reason I bring it up when you're saying what is he like, the reason I bring this Hamilton story up is because he sat down and he wrote that play that spoof of Spamilton, I mean, I, I sounds like all by himself, but I mean, he wasn't in a rehearsal environment. You know, usually if Forbidden Broadway, he'd have a good hunk of songs, and then he'd continue to write and continue to write. Now, Spamilton, he just showed up at rehearsal with it practically, I don't know, 80, 90% done. Mm. You know what I mean? Um, he was inspired. He was, he, he achieved a new level of his own excellence. He, uh, he was writing for rap. He really, and he's a, and he's a proper lyricist. He rhymes. Yes. He does not have any sloppy, there's no such thing as a sloppy rhyme. It's just not a rhyme. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, that's, I'm really such a stickler for that. And to do th that to every syllable and note that Lin-Manuel wrote, not every, it's a long show. I mean, Hamilton is two and a half hours. Spamilton is an hour and a half, but that's still a lot. That's a lot. It was so, it was so inspiring to watch a man, you know, who's who's been th who's been in this business for decades, who was behaving uh, on a level of inspiration that kids in their twenties would. Mm -hmm. I was so happy for him. First of all, so happy for him because he deserves it because he is a mad genius and because he's a legend mm -hmm. and because this kind of um, material is important. I've, t I've told this story. I don't know if I told it. I, I, I think I told it. I did a tribute to Betty Comden. Mm -hmm. uh, years ago, I did a Comden and Green show in 
happily they were both alive and they both came. And then wow. um, and then I did it sadly after after Adolf passed and Betty came. We ca- carried her up the stairs oh. of this carried her up the stairs of this uh, venue. She couldn't have been happier. She was so delightful. And it was her hundredth centennial last year. We think. You know, some of the paperwork doesn't doesn't yeah, sync yeah. up. But anyway, <laughs> I told this story. I used to go visit her and with a, a pianist a friend, either my friend Michael Levine or my pianist Matthew Ward. And we would uh, come into her apartment and her caregivers would bring her in very slowly in her little dressing gown and her little satin slippers. And they put her on the settee in her living room and... I would sit at the piano and sing for her. We'd what? sing, you know, songs from my show s- standards, and then of course her songs. And she wasn't talking very much, you know. Uh, but I'd say, "What do you want to hear, Betty?" And she'd go, "Everything." Oh and she God. couldn't even applaud. She'd just like wave her hand like a like a, a dictator, <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like. And one time I went. She was tired, and she was in her bedroom. And I went into her bedroom, and I, I um. A friend of mine had written this parody lyric. It wasn't Gerard. It was another friend. And I, I said, Betty, I thought you might like to hear this. And she was very, oh, she did not speak a lot, but she invited me into her bedroom. Her caregiver said, go and you can talk to her in there. And so I read this spoof, and I maybe sang it out loud. And she looked at me, and she said, this is very important, what you're doing. Mm. And I went, making fun of Madonna? And she she looked at me and she nodded and she said, yes, it is, all of it. It's very important. And I think I, I think I know what she meant because, you know, taking the piss out of something, as they say in England, it's, it's important. It knocks people off their pedestal. Mm-hmm. We still honor what we love about them, mm-hmm. but it, it, it allows you to observe. Uh, you don't realize it at the time, as as a participant in the audience, but you observe uh, greatness and you observe it with another level of intelligence beyond just that's entertaining, that moves me, that that uh, inspires me, that sound of that song thrills me. When you when you can. When you can find the flaws and you can, you know, yeah. you can find the quirks and the things. I think that it's another level of observation that uh, is important. It's, it's understanding irony, mm-hmm. which is not, and you can see it politically a, a lot of times, it, which is not something that well, as many people uh, have a grasp of as you'd think. Yes. Yeah. Um, because if you understand irony, uh, then you, uh, God, you can laugh at life a lot more, oh, I yeah. think. Oh, so true. oh, my God. And maybe we need to give classes in it. Right. On yeah. how to just spot the irony mm-hmm. in something, yeah. you know. Absolutely. You'll yeah. Oh, yeah. just, you'll take the piss out of yourself, too. Yeah. You just, yeah. you let the air out of everything for a minute and just not be so <laughs> clenched and puffed up and, and stuff. Yeah. You know? Interesting that she started out doing the exact same thing back mm-hmm. when she was in the reviewers, back with, you know, when they all were together when they first came to New York. Yeah. It, so it's almost like she probably saw maybe, I don't know, I don't know how to speculate, but she saw a little surf in you, I think. Uh, it, well, in the in the material, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. and but I found that I, you know, even when they went on to be lyricists in quote, quote, straight book plays, they always had a, they, they, 
they just what, what is the word? They were sly and yeah. adorable, and and smart. And I I wanted to always do a medley. Maybe I still will of all of their ridiculous lyrics. Yes. You know yes. what? Four stop. Did you hey? Yes. And you know and Mrs. She's a nut. She's a nut. But 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 and all the weird words they tend yes, to use yeah. and I don't know these funny words that oh, they yeah. make up. And um, oh God, I love them so much. I love that. They yeah, yeah special. They were yeah absolutely. Legendary. Step into the world of power, loyalty. And luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Dare I ask, do you have a favorite Compton and Green song? Oh, there's way too many to count. But I mean, the one that I've been doing a lot is If, when I have a wonderful arrangement of it. And oh. It's so witty and it's so, uh, it, it you know, it usually it starts at a breakneck speed. Yeah. But that's not how I do it. Mark Nadler did it with me, and it was his idea, and it's genius. It's start slow. If you had been on... It starts really slow. And then every stanza builds Good. up to a fevered pitch, and then she shoots the bastard. Yeah. Oh. And so... Oops, sorry. Spoiler alert. No, alert. I love it. I love yeah. that song so much, and I love it. Hey, podcast listeners. Are you looking for a place to rehearse in New York City that is clean, spacious, and most importantly, affordable? Come check out Shetler Studios and Theaters, our wonderful host for these podcasts. Shetler is centrally located on West 54th Street between Broadway and 8th Avenue, right in the heart of the theater district. Right in the heart, you'll find music, dance, and acting studios, complemented by two black box theaters and six presentation venues. The professional facilities, inspired environment, and expert industry staff combined to provide the New York artist with an unparalleled studio experience. Visit their website at shetlerstudios.com. That's S-H-E-T-L-E-R studios.com. Shetler Studios and Theaters is our home for recording the legends of Broadway, and we hope that you make it your artistic home too. That's Shetler, S-H-E-T-L-E-R studios.com. See you here. Did you enjoy producing? Uh, Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a multifaceted um you wear many hats particularly when you're working with a small group of people in a small uh project uh size wise so you know you're dealing with the actors you're dealing with um marketing you're dealing with you know john friedson was the you know he produced Friedman broadway for years david zippel the lyricist and i were the producers but john and david were the lead producers you know and um John knew 
John had, you know, 15 years of producing Forbidden Broadway in New York to immediately know the questions to ask and what have you. And even in his world, things have changed in the past few years uh, since he was producing because every 10 minutes, the technology changes. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just fascinating to watch. Uh, I, I have certain things that pique my interest, like visuals, like what the what the visual is going to be for the show. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my pet peeve was that we looked too much like the Hamilton logo, that if you looked at it on a thumbnail on your phone, you couldn't tell the difference. Because you have to look so close to see that he wasn't fist pumping, you know. Um, And so I said, you've got to use a funnier color. It's got to be a funnier... I wanted, like, orange instead of their gold. But we ended up... You know, and Gerard is very color sensitive. I mean, crazy color sensitive. Seriously. He... It's got to be the right exact tone of red it can't have too much blue in it, it can't, he's really visually sensitive like that but I was into that I created the website which you know was a arduous task uh, and, and then we moved on to a marketing company that went and did a fancier one that could you know mm-hmm. I don't know I don't know what it could do but it did things and um, so I was involved in that respect and uh, just just learning slowly do you want to produce again at some point I couldn't do it alone yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know n- just because um it's it's a desk job, you know. There's just a lot of, of sitting at the desk, and I couldn't do it alone. Yeah. I'd produce my own thing. I may be doing something with Gerard, yeah. like a small two-person thing mm-hmm. with Gerard, and I could probably do that because oh, yeah. you know. Yeah. So, um, nice. but I don't know. It's hard too because I have a lot of opinions, and I, I it would drive me crazy. I feel bad, like like the logo right. again. If I didn't like a logo of a show that I was producing, but I was not. I didn't have enough clout in the producing team to nix it or to keep it. It would drive me up the wall. Yeah, and no, I hear that you know? definitely. And so, um, but I learned a lot, and, and I, you know, it was hard working with the actors too because they were all—not all, but they were—a um, uh, lot of them were. It was their first show. They were working in a cramped space. It, you know, I was trying. It was just, it's hard to explain. You know, we did everything by the rules, but. I can't make the dressing room any bigger, and I feel right, no, bad. It's what it is, I just, you, you know, it's, yeah. it's, 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 it is what it is. And yeah. I, part of me wants to say it's paying your dues, but guess what? I know plenty of people that <laughs> went back to the tiny little triad dressing room, you know, decades after their Broadway debut. So, oh, yeah. you know what I mean? You can't That's get that way because. As I always say, you always enter through the kitchen, yeah. you know, <laughs> in one way or another. It's true. I just did a gig at the Edison Ballroom. Ding dong. Kitchen. There you go. <laughs> yeah, How did Sirius XM come into your life? I uh, went to Fordham University and I majored in communications and they have a stellar radio station, which at the time was completely student run. Huh. All right. So the people that were running that channel are now... Uh, sports announcers for the Yankees, sports announcers around the Michael Kay. I don't know if oh you know Michael God. Kay. Uh, the producers on Good Morning America, uh, anchors uh, on uh, the local Fox News channel. Uh, just uh, they went on to do incredibly uh, wonderful things in the, in the media. Um, and my closest friend from that era is Paul Cavalcanti, who's a major DJ here in New York City on the Classical Channel, on WNYC. Oh, yeah. uh, and we remained good, close friends. And one day in 2001, he called to say that Sirius XM Radio, which had not been launched yet, it was still in test markets, was looking for somebody to host the Broadway channel, and he gave me the name of the person to call. And I went in on September 9th, 2001, 
and had a nice conversation. I did some demos, and I was going to go in again on September 11th to audition for the Jazz Channel, but the um, Twin Towers fell. And then it took them until the spring to finally get the paperwork done because they moved slow up there. But I finally got the job in the spring of 2002. And it's because, and it was really kind of nice because after a certain number of years at Sirius, I realized, oh my God, I've actually made enough money in communications to have paid for my college education. You know, it sort of, it sort of canceled each other out, which was nice. Um, and, and I love radio and I love doing it. And Paul Cavalcanti is still my dearest friend. Oh. I spent Thanksgiving with them. And um, it's because of him. Yeah. You know, it's because of him. Yeah. And, uh, and I just love doing it. And we have the loveliest listeners. You, oh, I we mean, meet them all the time. And I'm telling you, consistently, consistently, so sweet, mm-hmm. so kind, so full of... Uh, gener- they have these most generous open faces. Yeah. And, and uh, it, 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 sounds, it sounds like I'm not being genuine when I say it on the radio. Like, you, we have the nicest listeners in the world. It sounds so goofy, but, no, but damned, we do. Yeah. And, and I've been doing this now for, what, 16 years? Yeah, and that means that if there were kids who were 10 years old listening to me and decided to major in yeah. the arts, yeah. they might be in Broadway shows right now. No, it's now. true, Absolutely. Christine, definitely. Yeah. The influence that you've had on people is monumental. I, I teach musical theater at Penn State. And we have so many people who apply who, you know, when we ask, you know, why do you want to do musical theater? They say, well, I grew up listening to Christine Petty. Oh, yeah. oh my God! That's the only way in. That's the yeah. only way into the Broadway world if they're not from. Well, I know, and as I say, they're lucky because in my day we had to walk to the library and get out records, and or stay up when nobody was looking and watch Gypsy when it was on at two in the morning, or you know, not finish our homework because it was on at four in the afternoon, or and that's what we were doing. I mean, so and and I, you know, I will, I will have, I do have a bone to pick with some of these kids though. There is no excuse for these kids not to know everything in musical theater. There are kids who. Only know Hamilton and Wicked and Mamma Mia because they, uh, yeah, but with all due respect to your podcast, they don't need your podcast. They can sit in their pajamas before they get out of bed in the morning and, you know, in a half hour, they can, they can Spotify, they can see stuff on, on YouTube that would have reduced me to tears of gratitude as a kid. All right. You know, as a matter of fact, I just found videotapes that I had put away that I didn't want to throw out because there was such so many important wonderful things that yeah. you couldn't find on television that right. I had kept and as I looked at them I said you know what I went to my computer and I tried to see if everything in that videotape was available on the computer and it was and I'm talking some obscure weird ass stuff yeah, yeah, yeah. you know uh, but I would never have gotten rid of the videotape until I knew it was accessible on YouTube wow. and out there in the world but in my day that's what you had to do let alone the underground stuff that's all on YouTube, like yeah. the weird stuff that, you know, right. people would trade and all that. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's of course, crazy. of I, course. I, the other day, I don't know, why did I do it? It was a, a series of events that led me to want to go onto YouTube and find out about iambic pentameter, mm. which I really didn't know much about. And 
I think I was reading a poem and I was like, this poem don't rhyme. And then, you know, and, uh, and not only did it rhyme, I didn't like the poem either, but you know, and I was like, is that what they call blank verse? You know? Oh, that's what it was. And then I, I looked up what blank verse was. And then they said, most of blank verse is in iambic pentameter. So I said, let me find out really what iambic pentameter is. And then I did. And it took all of 15 minutes for me to get a, a total real good grasp on. I knew it was da 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 yeah, but right. I didn't know why and what the hell and 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 I learned about other um uh what was the one? I thought all of Shakespeare was iambic pentameter, but it's not. Yeah. It's it's what is a uh uh bup bup uh wait, iambic pentameter is ba da ba da ba da ba da but but what is double trouble boil and tr- you know the the witches in Macbeth. Oh, well, anyway, but the point is it's a different kind of cadence, but there's yes. names to that. And I didn't know it, and I looked it up on freaking YouTube, and it, and it took there. no they, time. Yeah. It was all there. Now, to take it back to my mother, we just got her an iPad, and it's so – because she can't do anything. My mother is impo- – you know, she can't – they did this thing on, on, on uh, Modern Family where the uh, Manny's trying to teach the, the father how to tap, like how to tap a link. He's like, no, double tap. And he went, I'm double tapping. No, 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 you've you got to go tap, tap. And he, he would go, tap, tap, no, no, tap, tap. And it made me laugh because that's my mother's problem. She presses too hard. I was like, no, mom, tap, tap, light. So the other day on the phone, she went, you know, forget about this iPad because I, I could be on the YouTube. Forget it. I mean, I could log on to the YouTube. And I'm, I'm like, what do you mean? She will I'll never leave because she's looking up psychics and mediums oh and God. stuff oh like that. God. You know what oh I mean? And how, do you, how did Palm read oh. and stuff. And, that, and she doesn't realize that one, one video is over, another one comes on. Right. So my mother's become <laughs> addicted. I know that it's, it's an teenager. unhealthy addiction to ask the kids to like watch, watch more YouTube, but... That's, you can learn a lot oh if you're watching God. the right YouTube. I have to ask, is there an impression that you do that's a little off the beaten path? I did Blossom Deary. You know what I mean? Um, um, go on now, go. Walk out the door. Don't turn around now, because you're not welcome anymore. <laughs> it's just stupid. But nobody would know. You know what I mean? Anne Hampton would. Anne Hampton yeah, Calloway totally. would love it. You know? <laughs> And, uh, you know, I could probably do Sarah Vaughn. I don't know. But, uh, and then, and then I did Audrey Hepburn and, um, uh, but that was very quiet. I don't know if it'll work because I haven't done a long time, but we used to do the 12 days of Christmas, but she was so quiet that it wasn't, it didn't read well in the room. You know, after all the loud singers, it would be like on the first day of Christmas. My true love gave to me a partridge in a pear tree. You know, and um, see how low it is? I couldn't even hear myself. No, I know you guys heard it because you have the headphones on. But so, uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know. People like that, I wish, you know, I just wish right, that, uh, right. um, I, I, yeah, those are the ones that, that come to mind at the moment. I'm working on Dolly Parton, and she has mm. a kid's album out. Okay. And Dolly Parton's voice is really, it's much rasper than you'd ever think it was. Oh. And she's got this song, and it's a children's <laughs> album, and the song is called, You're My Chemo Hero. Uh-oh. 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 <laughs> and God bless her. And it, 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 was, it was hard for me to get Dolly Parton. And I, but see, I wish I had enough. I want him to put her in musical for some reason, so I can do her every day. But... I wasn't getting her, and then heard her going, "You're my chemo hero." <laughs> Just, <laughs> like you said, sometimes it not takes one to laugh thing. at chemo. There's nothing well, funny about chemo, and no. but the and the album's really cute. It's a kid's album, um, so uh, 
yeah, just the little little things that yeah. <laughs> can inspire. Have you met the people you impersonate, and how has that been? I I don't know if Angela Lansbury has ever heard me do her, but I did. I her brother did last week at mm. an event, and he was delightful. Um, and uh, uh, Bernadette, I think, heard me at a Gypsy of the Year event. Uh, Patty has seen the videos and has always reached out to me. Oh, um, yeah. Uh, that's fun well no she just said always do me with love you know her pianist actually Facebooked me said I'm with Patty in Connecticut and you know she says thank you and always do her with love which I do I don't do I don't there's nobody I I, there's nobody I I do impressions of with the intention of saying that'll that'll show them that you know not even like Elaine Stritch who was kind of nasty to some people no it's not my intention at all it's just to bring out their the, the purest strain of them, the uh, essential oils of each, uh, you know, yeah. each character. Um, Liza Minnelli too, because I'm known for Liza Minnelli, and I never, I it, at 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 my worst, I just play her as a slightly clueless to anything that is dark and unpleasant. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's that's what I like to do when somebody says something that's just a little too, you know heady or a little too complex like, I don't know what that means or, or a little too rock and roll or a little too you know what I mean yeah. um, but uh, yeah uh, never my intention um, and who else uh, mm, not not a lot of not a lot of people when you consider how many people I've done I don't think Eartha Kit. oh I did mm. Eartha Kit for a Nothing Like a Dame event and I came out and I did I Will Survive and I start the song as Eartha Kit, and then I go into a lot of different women and at the end of the number they said Eartha Kitt's going to come out on stage, and then you're going to people will laugh and you'll leave. I went okay, and we were on the set. We were at the Schubert Theater at the time. Chicago was there, so I'm down center. I finish the song, big applause. I take a bow, even bigger applause. I'm like, wow, I guess it went well. Mm. And I'm waiting for Eartha Kitt, and I look to the left. She's not on stage left. I look to the right. She's not on stage right. I bow again because they're still applauding. I look to the left a little more. I swing a little farther to the left. I see in the wings there's no Eartha Kit. Do the same thing to stage right. In the wings, no Eartha Kit. I'm like, what's going on? And then I decide to start to leave and I turn around. She's been standing behind me the entire time because she came up in the Velma elevator Mm-mm. and she was there looking like God Almighty. Mm-hmm. All right. And then she just said, how would you like to hear the real thing? And I just, you know what I mean? And I just walked, like, okay, you know. And then Stritch, I did the same thing for Nothing Like a Dame with Stritch. And you know that Stritch story, if I tell that story. So I, uh, I'm singing this Stritch, da-da-da-da-da-da-da, a spoof of Zip. And uh, I was, I go to the theater, the Marquee Theater, and uh, stage manager number one says, all right, we just want to make sure that when you enter, don't say anything, just do the number and then just leave. Uh, Elaine Stritch will come out on stage and then leave because we don't want to waste any time. I said, okay. And Miss Stritch would like to speak to you. Mm-mm. And then uh, I said, okay. And her dressing room was far away. As I'm walking to her dressing room, stage manager number two says, hi, Christine, here's your such and such. Oh, and Elaine Stritch would like to speak to you. I said, Okay. Both stage managers looked petrified on my behalf. I was holding it together. And then stage manager number three comes up to me. Like, oh, hi, Christine. Elaine Stritch would like to see you in her dressing room. Go into her dressing room, and she is, in fact, in the the shirt with 
you know, tights. no, yep. yeah, I don't know if the tights are on yet, but anyway, <laughs> so, uh, uh, I said, hi, Miss Stritch. I'm Christine. I'm I'm the terrible person who's going to be doing you tonight. She went, I hear you're wonderful. I said, well, thank you. She said, this is what I want you to do. I said, okay. She said, I want you to do the number. I want you to bow. I want you to take a long time. I want you to turn to the right. Take a bow. Turn to the left. Take a bow. Look up the balcony. Take a bow. And you're going to turn. You're going to walk. And I'm going to pop out and meet you. And then I'm going to, and then I'm going to back you up. So basically I was going to bow and bow and bow. And then I was going to turn left, head for the wings. And then she was going to come out on stage. People would laugh. And then she, face to face, she was going to back me across to stage right, which was a genius idea. Just looking at me and just, you know. And I said, okay. And she's doing it in the dressing room. All right, right. I'm looking at her like, got it. Fabulous. I said, I have to take the mic with me. So when I get backwards to the center, you want to tell me where the mic is? And then she, and I'm like, okay, and just make sure I don't walk off the stage. And she said, sure. Okay. I do the number. I bow the right. I bow the left. I bow center. It took a long time. And I turn left. Now, this is the marquee theater. This is a big stage, particularly when compared to Ellen Stardust's basement where I had been working, okay, which was a tiny little set. All right. So I'm walking and walking and walking and like, where is Elaine Stritch? Why isn't she walking? Why didn't she come on stage? And I'm walking and I'm practically at the proscenium, practically no longer in view of the audience. Pop, out she comes. She just popped right out, right at the far end of stage left because she's the smartest woman alive. And she looked at me and the audience went crazy. And she backed me up, the nose to nose practically. She went, keep on going, all right. Keep on going. Keep on going. Get the mic. Get the mic. I got the mic. I'm dragging the mic in front of me like this big mics, and I'm just dragging it in front of me. Keep on going. Keep on going. Keep on going. And it was about three quarters of the way when I finally like turned around and ran because this was going to take forever. And I just, I was too young and stupid to know it would have been more effective if I just disappeared slowly into the wings. But instead I turned, but I had the mic dragging behind me. So there was comedy there. Um, and... I never heard from her again. I didn't see her for the rest of the evening. I didn't see her ever. Uh, I, I mean, I saw her on stage and said hello to her at events, but very peripherally, she wouldn't have remembered me, I don't think. But so, yeah, so those were the two big ones I'd say. I'd say, yeah. You've done so much. What's still left on your bucket list? Any dream roles? I haven't done any roles. Bucket list? Are you kidding me? I never work. I'd like to do a sitcom. Yes. I'd like to do a movie. Yes. I'd like to do a TV series. Yes. I'd like to play a lead in a Broadway show. Yes. I've never played a lead in a Broadway I mean, I played Mama Morton, but that was 10 weeks. Everything I've done has been limited. Mm. Limited runs. Little Me was three months. Talk Radio was, I think, five months. Yeah. Mama Morton, 11 weeks. That's just, I've never done a, you know, I've never done a... A hopefully open-ended run, you know. Yeah. Um, and I'd love to play Mama Rose. I'd love yes. to play Mrs. Lovett. Yeah. Yes. You know, I'd love to play Dolly Levi. Um, I, yeah, those are just a couple of them. Well, we just want to take a moment to say your impressions are so funny and you're so brilliant, but the way you have such enthusiasm for musical theater day after day on your program, for a lot of people, you're the first entry to the joys of musical theater, and it's your passion and enthusiasm that fans the flames of their passion and enthusiasm. So we just want to say thank you for that. 
I, that's really nice to hear because again, you sit alone in a room and talk yeah, to yourself yeah. and you just, you can only, only, you only have the word of the people when you bump into them yeah. and I happily meet them when I do shows. Yeah. Uh, but the, 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 uh, ratio of how often that happens to how often I do it is, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's not that high. So it's, it's really wonderful to hear yeah. that. And, uh, and I'm glad that, that it's out there and available to, well, to anybody, you know, 24-7, commercial-free. Yeah. Um, right. It's it's kind of important. Everybody up there at Sirius loves it. You know, there's myself, Julie James, Seth Rodetsky, John Tartaglia, and um, it's it's a special it's yeah. a special platform that that uh, it's it's important. And happily, the theater is kind of cool again. You know, yeah. all those We've they're they're that. bringing the, the, right. the, 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 there's a revolving door now between television and film and theater. And it's not just celebrities. It's the good old, hardworking, wonderfully talented performers like Norbert Leo Butts and yeah. Sutton Foster, yeah. and you know who can, uh, who don't get pigeonholed anymore. Yeah. That's right. And so it's more of a level playing field, and it's not, it's not as much of. A, I don't feel that it's as much of a niche as it was, yeah. you know. So that's mm-hmm. important, and hopefully we're doing our best to, uh, to keep it that way. Yeah. It's been a joy and a pleasure. Thank you, Christine. I, I can't wait to listen to it. And have those kids follow me on Twitter, at, at Christine Petty, P-E-D-I. Bye, Bye, everybody. Bye. Today's episode was recorded at Shetler Studios on 244 West 54th Street. Visit Shetler Studios to book your room today, and you could be as cool as us. That's S-H-E-T-L-E-R studios.com. And a big thanks to our sound editor, Daniel Schwartzberg, and social media manager, Bethany Ann Selecki. And friends, don't forget, we want more folks to hear these incredible stories, and that's where you guys can come in and help us out. Yes, in order for people to find out about us, we need lots of ratings on iTunes. The more ratings, the more they'll come up in searches. So head on over to iTunes, search for Behind the Curtain Broadway's Living Legends, click on our logo, click on ratings and reviews, then write a review and leave us five stars and make us feel as special as Eliza Doolittle on Eliza Doolittle Day. Or you can leave us one star and make us feel as bad as Annie did in that weird production in Boston where Annie dreamed about being adopted and then ended the show back in the orphanage. True story, Rob was there. I saw it. So head on over to iTunes and make us feel even more special than we already do. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChapaCasino.com. 
Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.